Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Irish Illustrated Insider is sponsored by visitsouthbend.com. Is it time to check a Notre Dame home game off your bucket list? Has it been too long since you've soaked in the game day atmosphere in person? Whether it's for the first time ever or in a while, start planning your trip to South Bend to watch the Fighting Irish with ideas and inspiration at visitsouthbend.com. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider. It's Thursday, April 13th. Notre Dame football completed their ninth practice of the spring on Wednesday. I'm joined today. I'm Tim Priester, joined today. By Tim O'Malley, also of Irish Illustrated, and Pete Sampson of The Athletic. We got a quite a surprise yesterday with a full, fully open practice to the media. Tim, you uh, you covered it all. What uh, what are your top thoughts? Yeah, I think when uh, and I think Pete does the same thing. I think maybe Pete started this when you uh, when you walk out. You mentioned guys that caught your eye. We should point out that someone like Howard Cross, who is proven solid and plays proven solid doesn't catch your eye, but someone like Jason Anye, who you had not had a chance to see make his strides and he makes big plays or he makes a couple of nice plays that catches your eye. It, it, that that's one of those things where when someone's like, well, why didn't you write down this guy's name? Why not this guy's name? I don't know. Cause he's always pretty good. And he was pretty good. That's so it kind of goes in tears that way. And that was by far. And this is both being kind and mean the best I've ever seen Tyler Buckner throw a football ever ever. And I would going to rate that like in the old Bob Diaco phrase, you have to understand it was a very, very low bar prior in all practices I'd ever seen, but I thought he threw very well. Like I thought he went from very poor practice thrower for me to, Ooh, look at those throws almost all the time. And Pete, yeah. I know you listed him as one of the top you're what you oh, thought yeah. was one of the top performers of the day. Yeah. And it's, I echo what O'Malley said, like, you know, when you put Rico Flores on there, it means something different than when you put Riley Mills on there. Um, It's not like they both had equally good days, but they both did some stuff that caught your eye. But I thought Buckner just looked like a third year at, you know, third year college quarterback. Um, There was a throw he made. It was like a fourth down 11 out of 11 where he got pressure rolled to the right changed his arm angle and whipped it into Mitchell Evans for a first down and like led him like through the zone of the defense, like, like hit, you know, hit him on the right shoulder, the correct shoulder, I should say, um, which also might've been in the right one, but like he just, he looked like he was in command more than we've seen in the past. Um, he looked like he was, grip it and rip it opposed to aiming the football. Um, I didn't see nose down football. I didn't see fluttering football. Um, even his misses, like, you know, incompletion to Jaden Greathouse. Um, you know, he's taking shots down the field. Like I, I really liked what I saw from him yesterday. Um, and it was like, as O'Malley, I would agree with O'Malley there too. It's the, not that we've seen a ton of him in practice, but that was the best. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, we've, we've talked over and over again about last August and what we saw and what some other outlets saw. And I thought that that was a creation on the part of other outlets because they thought that that's what, I don't know, their constituency wanted to hear. Uh, But 
I, you know, I hadn't seen Tyler Buckner throw the football very well in, in practice. Now he goes out, he gets in, he starts slowly. I guess he completes first seven passes of his, of his starting career against Ohio state, but he struggles after that. He gets hurt against Marshall. Then he comes back in the bowl game and he has an MVP performance. Yes. There were three picks. Yes. There were two pick sixes, but he had a MVP level performance at least in winning the football game. And so, okay, now you say that's significant progress. I thought he threw the ball well on April 1st. A lot of the stuff was very short, uh, but it was accurate, and he was getting uh, first-team reps. Both guys were, but Buckner was. And then now you throw this on top of it. Okay, now we can say that we've legitimately seen Tyler Buckner throw the football very well in practice. Uh, it yes. should have been it it never should have been said before in my opinion but that's what we saw yesterday and that's what we're reporting now and i think the gator bowl mvp performance was deserved but it was like he was the best athlete out there and he was the mvp of the game true but it had not, I, no, I don't think it was because I, he stood there and gripped it and ripped it all game no, long. but he, being an athlete is part of his game so it that, is it, this was more but this was red jersey and he was as pete said gripping it and ripping it right right yeah, that's great news. And, and uh, you know, I, Tim, I, f- I found it interesting that our analysis, while we certainly compare notes, but our analysis of April 1st practice and April 12th practice were basically the same as it pertained to individuals playing well or not playing well. I think Riley Mills played better mm-hmm. yesterday than on April 1st. Uh, I actually did, in the practice report on April 1st, did point out Howard Cross and Gabe Rubio because I thought they dominated the interior offensive line at that time. But yeah, and in this one they were just Howard Cross was Howard Cross, so he right. didn't stand yeah. out. That's right. how it would. That's I how mean, it I think I you know, and in this only Watts' performance yesterday only further accentuates to me that I think this guy is really, really ready to break out. Yes, I would agree with that. And I want to. I'm glad you brought that up, Tim, because every time you guys talked about Watts is going to break out, I kept thinking to myself. Is he going to break out or is he going to be Notre Dame's best safety? Because, you know, you can just be Notre Dame's best safety. Now I think he's going to break out. I, I think I think Xavier Watts looks like a, a real football player. And right we'll now. Be, and we'll, yeah. In the process, we'll be their best safety. Well, yes, but not by as, default as well. Explain to me your analysis of Riley Mills yesterday. Each one of you guys. I didn't watch him a ton, um, but I did watch one rep against Billy Shrouth uh, and I think I think it was an, I can't remember who said it, but it was like, do you remember Eric Olson and BJ Raji from the Boston College game a long time ago? Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what walking, was he walking them back? He was, uh, he was running them back. Um, <laughs> like Billy Shrouth ended up in the end zone against his own will. Um, so it was, that was really impressive because Billy Shrouth is also really impressive. Um, it's not like he blocked me um into the end zone so i mean i want to see it on a saturday in the fall obviously um i feel like i've been uh over my skis on riley mills for a while now but um he's got he's got everything that you would ever want he he does he all he always had the ability it's technique consistency you know i've always talked about the fight and the will to get off blocks we haven't always seen that it's not that he wasn't capable. And we had a question and on our message board or something about, or maybe it was in Monday's uh, podcast. I don't know, but it runs together. But 
you know, about Tyson Ford, you know, who's going to beat out? Will Tyson Ford beat out Riley Mills? I mean, there's, there's, there's no way of that happening, nor do you, I mean, you want it to happen. That would mean Tyson Ford's fantastic, but (laughs) you don't just, you can't just throw away two seasons of, of seasoning that Riley Mills got. I mean, he's capable of doing it. And for him to put together a practice like that in front of the media is it it's, it's a breakthrough. It's, it's important that, that he shows that when there are eyes watching. Yeah, he is the I, best I looking note. defensive lineman on the team. Like Bart like full stop there. You don't need to have a conversation about it. Like in terms of who this like hold like first guy off the bus, best looking athlete. It's him. No question. Yeah. And my things were, um, I will generally once those 11 on 11s or if it's any real seven on seven where there's where they're kind of going at it, not just, you know, keep guys up and all that. I will just make write all the guys names down and put check marks real fast too if they make a good play, a notable play or double check mark. And Mills had like four check marks for me yesterday. I mean, I'm sure, you know, Billy Sharoth probably took up two of them there from Riley Mills, but I kept writing down the check marks on Mills. So that way you can look back and you see what guys did and because it goes. Remember, sometimes you're watching a rep on the left. On the right. Yesterday yeah. we had two on the left with linemen and two on the right with one on ones. And we had never seen, I had not yet seen since I was on spring break for April 1st, anyone go at it at all. And I think Pete was in the same boat and our heads were spinning, trying to go back and forth, look at everybody. Um, but we all saw, along with uh, Brian Driscoll standing with Pete and I, we all saw Joe Alt handle a pretty nice rep as well when <laughs> he spun Jordan Batello, he respun Jordan Batello, and then he just stopped Jordan Batello and decided this is okay. The rep's probably over now, right? Can we stop? Have I have I blocked him enough for the rest of the play? But that that's, was that's kind of been the concern with Batello that he does get swallowed up by big, big offensive linemen, offensive tackles sometimes. But I have a huge concern it. about Jordan Batello getting beat by first round picks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to happen. And I okay, now I'm gonna throw a disclaimer in here. We we are not saying, I'm not saying that Riley Mill has arrived because when he struggled, it's going to be, well, you guys said that yeah. he was great. He had a great practice yesterday and that's a great sign and a great breakthrough. And, you know, when I reported on Jason Anya on April 1st, it wasn't like I had somebody in my ear saying, man, are you watching Jason Anya? He, he looks really good today. I thought he looked really good on April 1st. Tim O'Malley, you thought he looked really good on April 12th. Yeah, and it was interesting to clear up. So he said, you know, Howie and I are the nose, Howard, Howard Cross, Howie and I are nose, which makes Mills, obviously, and Rubio yep. DTs. And that that seems backwards on our board. Um, but I thought the best thing Anya said was, you know, he's always kind of been athletic. Like he considered himself an end until he was made into a nose tackle. But for him to come in here at 28 or 27% body fat and 285 pounds, and now he's... 292 pounds at 12% body fat. He's like, he's, he's I mean, like, I'm an athlete. Great. I'm that's a nose a tackle to, athlete. <laughs> yeah. That's a hard to imagine. Right. Transformation. But again, remember, and, and this is the comparison with Tyson Ford. Tyson Ford's in his second spring. Yeah. On his year ahead of him, you yes. know? Oh, so and, and Tyson had, Ford, I think that's what Washington's trying to say. Like guys, I mean, Tyson Ford is in his second spring but he's still an actual freshman in college. Yeah. And we have a question. Tyson Ford is much more developmental than maybe his recruiting ranking would have led people to believe. Whereas like Jason Anye being developmental, it's like, well, of course he was a three-star from Rhode Island. Um, You know, Tyson Ford just needs time. And I think I agree with O'Malley when Al Washington was asked about Tyson Ford, it was, 
it's almost like uh can we can you check back next year on him well yeah tyson uh, ford was an end in high school fine. He's yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's oh, he talked about that too. He's he's like, yeah, it was it was different moving inside, but he had to move inside. He's got the body to be inside for sure. No doubt, yeah. no doubt. Anya was the same way. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not, and again, not saying that Jason Anya is going to be a huge breakthrough this fall, but that's kind of a guy that, knowing that he was such a project, you you know, when he arrives, you're thinking, well, okay, who you know, what guys might not ever develop. Jason Anya would have been on that list. Yes, he would have been on that list for sure. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Which He was, I mean, I hope he plays and has a great year for many reasons. One of them being that he comes in to talk to us more because, I mean, he's a great interview uh, and was very upfront about like, he's like, this was sort of like a make it or break it season for me and he's like can i say that I'm like does that sound <laughs> yeah, bad? Like, yes, no you can, can definitely that. he's like you can definitely say that and he's like yeah well this was make it or break it like either it was going to happen for me now or it wasn't going to happen and it seems like it's happening well that's self-awareness and that's a good thing uh tim underrated underdog defensive line that was a uh l washington yeah he, he he i think he believes like look man we have a chip on our shoulder i got eight guys pete Congratulations to Pete because you kept pressing him to make sure he had he answered you that yes, we do have a two deep in my mind. You're like, okay, but you got a yeah. two deep, right? It's like, oh yeah, no, we got a lot of guys rotating, but you feel comfortable with your two deep, right? And he, he he agreed. He thinks the interior guys especially have that we are undervalued. We are gonna make plays, watch us make plays. And I'm sure that is a conversation because last year on the edges they had Bosky and the Adamiolas, or one inside, one outside. And there was no underdog status for Notre Dame's defensive line. Right. And I think they played fine, but they did not play the way I thought they would play. And I think now it's more along the lines of they believe they're better than you guys do. Yeah, I think that they're in a spot where like they're not going to beat teams with, I think, quality on the defensive line. So they got to figure out a way to beat them with quantity. And that means you have a legit eight guys, hopefully nine, maybe nine and a half. And I think when spring practice started, if we went down the list of like defensive linemen who could go in a game, we'd probably get to like five and a half. And I think they're probably at eight now. So that that's a legit spring practice storyline that counts uh, moving forward. And Jason Anya is a, a, a part of that. I keep bumming up. I referenced it in today's Thursday thoughts that, you know, I know a guy from Western Michigan, you don't necessarily think that he's going to be such right. a huge difference maker for your D-line, but I think Braden Fisk would have been that. I mean, he's going to he's going to play a significant role for Florida State. Uh, I, when, I, when I wrote the film review on him in like December 9th, I, I'm pretty sure that was the date. I thought, man, this is really going to be a guy that you can add to it. But um, Anya, you know, maybe closing the gap there. Uh, last thing in this segment. What is uh, both you guys? What's the perspective here on Prince Collie um, not being at practice, and what what what's going on? Well, we keep getting different reasons. Like he had a class, he was injured, he was concussion. I think people aren't correct on any of those things, other than possibly class. The best possible thing, and the only good thing for Prince Collie to miss a practice in the middle of it is not a concussion because he did that last August. It's not a good thing if you're not there for concussions. It's if he had a class conflict or some type of conflict like that. Then I mean, that does happen. That that happens to people in the spring. If they have one, it's like, go ahead, go to your class because it's the spring. But Prince Kali, we started, I, I don't feel like we should dance around these things all the time anymore in the transfer portal era. We started our first- You said it. You, I you said it the in the podcast. One. He's a, okay, let's borrow from Jason Anye. 
I feel like it's now or never. Can I say that? Yes, you can say that, Jason, because you're a junior that hadn't played much yet. Prince Kale's a true junior that just played a lot more than Jason Anye did. But I, there's no way Prince Kale wants to sit in the same role. I'm not saying he thinks he's going to start in the same role he did last year. Because most guys that transfer out as true juniors aren't that good. I do think Prince Kali can be good. So I thought, and I think he believes he can be good. I'm sure he's okay being one B, because that's a lot of reps. But he can't be. He doesn't want to be two again. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I agree with all that. that. Transfer portal opens on Saturday. We'll see, because I I just don't see where there's an expanded role for Prince Kali with Leofau. Kaiser, Bertrand, especially with Kaiser working more inside now. Yeah. Um, what's those are reps that in theory Kali could have got. So well, he's probably a correlation there, right? That he's was working inside. I'm sure be. because Kali wasn't there yesterday, but uh could be, but I mean I think it certainly suits Kaiser's skill set. I think maybe it speaks to Jalen Seed and like what he's gonna be able to bring to the table or what the staff thinks he can bring to the table at, at Rover. So um some you know sometimes not not everyone goes all four years at Notre Dame. Um, usually the guys that leave are the ones that have not played a lot, but sometimes there are guys who yeah. you feel like have a lot of potential and they want to just opportunity elsewhere. This I one would, really I have hurt. to agree with Prince Colley. Like I I'm not saying he deserves he deserves to play over people because I don't I assume the coaches would love to have Prince Colley's ability on the field if he was good enough to do it. But I, I kind of look at Prince Colley and think. Yeah, if you want to start, I bet you can't go start somewhere. Some guys are like, ah, it doesn't matter if he leaves or not. You know, it's like the guy left, the guy left, because half the people leave, Pete. Not even not everybody finishes four years at Notre Dame. Half the people won't finish four years at Notre Dame, and it's going to get worse. But I do, without being in all the practices, think, I bet you Prince Colley can start somewhere. Well, he certainly yeah, could start his home state, Vanderbilt. Yeah, right, right. You took the words out of my mouth. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I think this is a – I think it's really unfortunate if that's what's happening. I think it's a damn shame. Yeah, we don't know that's what's happening either because we should point out one thing I put on the message board. I'm sure people, this is the only thing they didn't read. I thought it was a great sign when Prince Kala came out to talk. Yeah. You don't have to send him out to talk if you, and this is only a week and a half ago they sent him out to talk. That's That seemed like a good sign, but what do I know? You know, but here's a... You know, I, I you know the blame game is going to be played here and it's it's going to fall on... El Golden, it would fall on, uh, you know, you'd hear the Maris Leofile talk about this and that. At the end of the day, it is up to the responsibility of the player to know where to be and when to be there. And Kali has struggled with that. Yeah. You know, and I, and I, we know he's a quality athlete. That's fantastic. But in the real world of defensive football, you've got to know what you're, you have to know what your 111th of the defense represents and what your responsibilities are yeah i agree i mean jason Anya talked about that yesterday um i even used the term see ball get ball with him he's like yeah that's what i was in high school i was just a see ball get ball player and like once you get here you're like that that's not cutting it at all you can't just go out and try to make plays um you know i think prince Kali had a similar adjustment um that's ongoing so i don't know we'll i i yeah, I'd love to see him stay and develop over the next couple of years and you know be a senior starter, fifth year starter, but I I get it. It's I don't think that I mean I look, I was not a college athlete obviously, but like I don't think that we have an appreciation sometimes of like 
how hard it is not to play. And when you feel like you're going to have an opportunity to play, and I'm not saying that it was taken away from Prince Kali, but like, I think that, you know, Leofau coming back and Bertrand coming back and Kaiser coming back in normal times, that probably wouldn't have happened. But these are COVID times where everyone has fifth and six years. And that's, that's probably been pretty tough to stomach. Coming back, segment two, burning up the boards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Did you know that St. Stephen's Green in Dublin was once a site of witch burnings in the 1600s? Explore the chilling history of the park on the Ghost Bus Tour and learn about the dark and mysterious past of Dublin with the chance to experience what it's like to be buried alive. This is a journey not to be missed. Book your Ghost Bus Tour now at dodublin.ie forward slash Irish Illustrated. But hurry, spots are extremely limited. Uncover the secrets of St. Stephen's Green and join us on the Ghost Bus Tour today. Segment two, burning up the boards. We start with a question from FL Irish 76, Florida Irish. On paper, this is Notre Dame's most talented running back room since A, 2015 with Josh Adams, CJ Proceis, Dexter Williams, and Tarian Folston. B, 1996, Autry Denson, Robert Farmer, Mark Edwards, Randy Kinder. Or C, 1990, Ricky Waters, Regib Ismail, Tony Brooks, Jerome Bettis, Dorsey Levins. Good God. Uh, FL Irish 76 says, obviously 1990 was the best of that group. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and not include that one in the list. <laughs> 1990. We don't have to go back to that one. That's the best one. Um, I mean, I think it's fair to say, let, let's see them do this in 2000, what they did in 2015. Uh, I wrote about it in Monday musings. So that was originally Folston followed by Procise who switched positions followed by the two freshmen. Fair to say Josh Adams as a freshman was clearly advanced. Was it Autry Denson or even Brian Kelly that said practice number three at Culver? We knew what we had in Josh Adams. That's a pretty talented quartet 2015, because right now you're comparing Jabron Payne to Dexter Williams. I think people would all say Dexter Williams at that point, right? Even at that young, young infancy stage of his career. So I don't think we need to go back farther than 15. But it's again, as Pete likes to say here, this is a good conversation we are having about the running backs. Yeah, because, I mean, look, in the fall, if we're comparing Dexter Williams to Jeremiah Love, right. I feel a little bit differently. Um, so, yeah, I go 2015. If they're as good as that group, that's a great place for Notre Dame to be. Yeah, we. I mean, all you have to do is ask Dylan McCullough about Jadarian Price, and he'll, he'll go on and on. We haven't seen him, per se, obviously, in, in a game situation, and he's coming off a a really lousy injury in Achilles for a running back to have, uh, but we expect him to be full tilt and that top three is outstanding. I don't, I really don't have an opinion about Jabron Payne per se at this point. I thought he caught the ball very well out of the backfield on April 1st and did some good things. And McCullough says good things about him as well. And then Jeremiah, like Jeremiah Love comes in. I'm really interested to see Jeremiah Love because you know, he, he is, he's running back. That's kind of part receiver kind of slot guy. It'll be interesting to see how they end up using him. I, it's kind of hard to envision a big role for him in 
in 2023, but, um, he does yeah, change things though. Perfect. He like, no, I'm no glad he brought him up because, uh, precise from all that list, let's not throw Jeremiah love out there. That whole list. If you're like, well, who are the breakaway backs? One is precise. Two is Dexter Williams. Three is Josh Adams. That's nobody. And then, then four is Jadarian price. Now throw love in there and you have another breakaway back possibility. That's a good point. That's a good point. Question from Karsten 44. What would you have? What would you have the most confidence saying? Riley Mills will be MVP of the defensive line by season's end, or Tobias Merriweather will be the MVP of the whiteouts by season's end. I'm with, I'm on Mills for this one. I, I yeah, I'm kind of pot committed on Riley Mills at this point. <laughs> you're, you're not allowed to comment against him, no. right, Pete, for the next, uh, until no. game one. Yeah, I, I would hesitate to do that because I think Howard Cross is going to be a consistent force for Notre Dame's yeah. defensive line. He was last year. He will, he, he will be again this year. I would, I would hesitate to say that I would, you know, again, we always talk about experience and inexperience. Mills has way more experience at his position than Merriweather does at wide receiver, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't hesitate to say Merriweather. I wouldn't either, but I would say Jaden Thomas still, because he shows up in many ways. No, I agree. I, I, in, in fact, in Thursday thoughts today, you know, the, the two open practices with the receivers, it hasn't been good. Um, you know, so, I mean, right now, who's the one receiver where you say, okay, we, he's going to be, he's going to hit the ground running when the season starts. I think it's Jaden Thomas. Yeah. Uh, man, Colsey. That's who I was going to say. Yeah. I mean, Colsey you know? has, has, what you think Colsey will be. What I think he's had a really nice year. Yeah. Oh man, I'm not. I'm. I'm not there yet. I, I'm. I'm just. I'm not there yet because I. I, I mean, I. I certainly think that he's capable, but he's also shown the inability to lock in uh, up until you know some still relatively brief moments. I guess it was pretty much the entire second half of the, the season. Although he didn't do anything against. He didn't do anything against Clemson. Uh, no, but he was good in the other games too. They didn't nah, throw yeah, ball. They right. didn't throw much though. They yeah, that's true. that's true. Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, I just think that I, I I don't think that we were premature in saying, you know what, this this receiving core is a lot better than it was last year. But there's a difference between saying it's a lot better and that it has arrived, and it it has not arrived this spring. I think we yeah. can. We, I think we can safely say that there's still a long way to go for the 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 receiving core, but it it has made progress. To Merriweather, he will make the most exciting place of the wide routes group this year. Yeah. Yes, that's which will make him the most fun and cool wide receiver, but not necessarily the best wide receiver as the year begins or the year ends. Irish from A2 and Irish John M have related questions. Is it possible that Sam Hartman is being overhyped a bit? What do you think his ceiling and floor for Hartman is in 23? And Irish John M echoes, are you concerned that according to your observations, Buckner continues to look better than Hartman? Well, again, I want to, we, we've said that, but we've also said in accordance with it on April 1st, that Buck, uh, Hartman was under more duress with the pass rush than Buckner was and Buckner was as well. I mean, I don't think, I don't think anything on April 1st necessarily differentiated Buckner over Hartman. Right. It's more of this pat last practice. I think. Okay. That did that. And, and that's, and, and that's fine. Um, is Hartman overhyped? I, I I have a hard time agreeing with overhyped when you've thrown for thirteen thousand yards, 
110 touchdowns and led Wake Forest to 41 points per game in 20, 2021. I just think Hartman needs every practice he can get with a brand new wide receiver core. I totally agree with that. And that, and I think that's being underestimated here as well. And the flip side of that would be, well, if he's that accomplished as a quarterback, he should be able to have some chemistry with them. I don't, I think that kind of thing takes a little bit of time, especially when we're talking about the wide receiver core. Eh, it's not quite there yet. Uh, that's on the receipt. You know, it's a, it's a connection. So it's, it's on the quarterback, but it's on the receivers as well. Is he overhyped? Is he one of the 10 best quarterbacks entering the season in 2023? I don't think there's any doubt about that. I guess he's only overhyped because when I see that, and this is just spring fodder, when you see a national story like Sam Hartman makes Notre Dame national title contender. I mean, I think Sam Hartman allows Notre Dame to go out and try to beat Ohio yeah. State and try to Ryan beat USC. Ryan has a bigger role in Notre Dame being a national title. Yeah, I, I think Sam Hartman allows you to have a chance to beat those teams you're playing as opposed to last year. But um, that's the only overhyping. I just I just figured Sam Hartman would look better than he did. I watched, I watched Sam Hartman for one full practice, and the other guy who was good looked better that one full practice. If I didn't report that, I just would have been lying. Right. Like that, <laughs> I, I, I knew it when I was writing it. And we even joked in the stands. There's like five of us like, well, yes, we're all have to, we all agree on one thing. And I was like, yeah, we all agree on one thing. And it's not going to be received very well. Everyone there agreed to a different level of making a joke about it. Like, are we going to see, someone said, are we going to see Sam Hartman throw a touchdown before we go to the Navy game? Which I thought was funny. Cause then I realized I didn't see a touchdown pass today. And yet I saw Tyler Buckner touchdowns. So it's different levels of it. We all noticed it. I guarantee you a part of this is a timing situation with wide receivers and everything and learning the offense. Yeah. I would, I would put way more on learning the offense. Like I think Sam Hartman is properly rated. What's probably being underrated is the fact that he's learning an entirely new offense from a quarterbacks coach. Who's also learning the new offense and a new offensive coordinator who's learning the offense in a, in a different way um, than what Jared Parker had it down last year. So that all, that all matters a lot. I mean, it's like that the Reese sort of departure hits on a couple different angles, but I think one big one is like no one was more qualified to teach Sam Hartman the offense than Tommy Reese and Tommy Reese left. So that that just takes a little bit of getting up to speed. And I think we maybe underrated that part of it. I, I agree with that statement, Pete. And you know, I mean, we always I don't want to say I hesitate to say defended Tommy Reese we saw what Tommy Reese did and we thought that he was a pretty darn good offensive coordinator. We weren't, we weren't trying to defend him because we were, it, it was Tommy Reese. It was what we saw, but I will say this. And I've, and I've, and I have said this in recent weeks uh, and I will say it again. I think Gino Guduli is a great thing for Tyler Buckner. I think there's a very strong chance that Gino Guduli is a better quarterbacks coach than Tommy Reese. And that's not putting Tommy Reese down. Dooley's got more experience doing it. And I think that I think he plays a role in Tyler Buckner's development as well. I think Tommy Reese could have been a quarterback coach starting in uh, late January until right now with Sam Hartman, as opposed to Gino, who was a quarterback's coach upon whenever he arrived a month and a half later than that with Sam Hartman, too. It's good. I mean, Hartman started behind where he should have started because they lost Reese. Right. He's, he said it. Everybody else said it. It's yeah. 
it's logical. It's, it's ridiculous to ignore it. And it, it's too frequently, those kind of things are too frequent. And yet we ignore it. Yeah. Or, like, <laughs> or, what, or when it's said, it's, oh, well, that's just coach speak. Well, not really. It's a very, very complicated game. And sometimes it takes a while to learn all the components of it. And Pete, all the things that you, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's not a brand new offense to Jared Parker, but it's not one that he ran prior to last year. He's got his own stuff to learn, right? Right, exactly. Like, no, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's it's exactly right. So, I mean, this may sound like a little bit of a making excuses for Hartman, but there are the technical issues of offenses and, and quarterbacks and meshing with receivers, et cetera. And so let's not overreact to all this. But, the I mean, the one thing that we're confident in saying is Tyler Buckner looks improved, right? Yeah, uh, yes. And I, I would just say, like, if – if we're having the same conversation in August, uh, mid-August, right? Mid-August. Okay. Um, yeah. Then, then we got something. But yeah. uh, on April thirteenth, after an April twelfth practice, I, I wouldn't read a ton yeah. into it. Another uh, double question here: one from Jimbo Cooter fifty-five, and the other one from Penny Cowers. First one: Do you feel the staff thinks they are fine along the defensive line? They won't be looking to add in the transfer portal. Uh, the second question from Jimbo Cooter is what uh, what is Tyler Buckner doing much better this spring than he was doing last year? And then Penny Cowers with Jason Anya really stepping up as well as Jordan Botello, seemingly taking on a newfound maturity. Do you believe the D-line will be a strength rather than a liability this season as previously thought? So let's focus first here on the defensive line. Um, I don't. I never had them pegged as going to get a transfer portal player because I think they tried and whiffed. And I think they think they're fine. If, if, I mean, if they're, if edge rushers existed in the transfer portal, of course they would be bringing in someone or a strong side defensive end or a dominant Jerry Tillery that was disgruntled all of a sudden, they're going to bring someone in like that. But do you think, I don't think they need to bring in another junior Tui Halamaka or Nana Osafa or like, nah, he's a senior. So I shouldn't say that, but, or another Aaronsberger or another Anya even, I don't think that's the plan anymore. Yeah, I, I agree. It's like, I, I think that their numbers are good. Um, I think that it's reasonable to ask a fresh, a true freshman to be your ninth or yeah. nine and a half defensive lineman. Um, they have four coming in. One can give you a little something here or there. So I, I think that's fine with numbers. So, and it's, yeah, it's like if, if Jerry Tillery was in the portal, go get him. But those, those aren't the guys in the portal. So, um, I think their numbers went in like, you know, Penny Cowers question. Like, I don't think a defensive line is going to be a strength, but it might not be a liability. I think it's, I think it can, I think it can be a good line. If everybody comes together and everyone takes a step forward, Jason Anye, Batello, Mills, Cross, all, everybody. Um, but uh, you know, in terms of a strength, the way that it has been really since, 2017 2018 like that i can't can't quite get there there's a lot of ground between strength and liability yeah yeah and, i do not a real estate liability right and so that's where i i think they are they're going to be i and i do think and i'm glad you pointed out pete that you you're you're going to have four freshman defensive linemen devin houston's been hurt um that might have hurt him for this year, though, too, right? Devin Houston being hurt with a shoulder injury could just yeah, be no doubt. You know, restart I mean, him I, next year. I, I, there's a lot that I love 
about Brennan Vernon. I'm not saying that he's going to be ready to come in and play right away, but I love the personality. I love the playing style. Uh, and so I think that prevents or precludes getting a, a, a defense alignment in the portal. I do, this is kind of off topic, but it is along the defensive line. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I want to mention this. <clears throat> There's been talk about, I can't believe that they haven't moved Rubio to nose and crossed the three technique. Well, there's like five inches difference in height. I mean, we're talking about a significantly different length between the two guys. And a guy at the three technique is in a little bit more space than the nose tackle. And Rubel is long, man. That's why Anya, I mean, I think Anya could probably play three technique too. He's long. But I understand why you want Rubio at three technique because laterally, left to right, right to left, he can cover a little bit more ground than cross. Cross is extremely quick off the snap of the football, and it is his best position three technique. It probably is, but they don't have a better nose tackle than, than Howard Cross either. That's the most important thing. Jacob Lacey before transfer last year, Kurt Heinisch both said, I know Howard Cross isn't the biggest nose tackle, but he's a really good nose tackle. And Howard well, Cross well, said, I'm comfortable at nose tackle. I, I, how tall is Mills? He's not as tall as Rubio, but, I mean, he's long too. He's, yeah, he is. He's six five and an eighth. Yeah. So you want that length at three technique. That's why Howard Cross is still at nose tackle, in my opinion. The rest of it would be, um, what is Tyler Buckner doing much better this spring than he was doing last year? I think it's what Pete said. It's just, it's, there's a, there's a mindset. There's a confidence now to him. That's just, he's not second guessing himself. He's not, you know, he makes a bad play and gets down on himself, which we saw a couple of times. I think it's that more than anything, the coaching of Guaduli, uh, the confidence that he gained from the Gator bowl, the challenge that he sees battling Hartman. I think all of these things contribute to the development of a player. I think he's in a great spot as the non-perceived starter who thinks he should start coming off his best game, his only successful game, really uh, believing in himself, throwing the ball with consistency and going for it rather than having the weight of the world. I am Notre Dame's new starter. Jack Cohn is lost. I know I'm better than Drew Pine. Why in the world are we in this tight competition? I think he's just in a great spot and a great mental spot and he's physically a good player. So it's coming along. He's done though. Yeah. I mean, he's the underdog and it's sometimes, yes. you know, yes. uh, you know, especially, I mean, he's not a, Buckner's not a real outgoing personality and it doesn't come naturally to him standing in front of 10 other guys in the huddle or on the offensive side of the ball and taking command. And, and so for somebody like him with that type of personality, it takes a little bit longer to develop that. So I think all the things that we said are contributing to it and it's, it's great to see. I am, I can't tell you how thrilled I am to be able to sit here and say, we have seen video. We have seen actual evidence to say that he's improved. I'm happy to say it. I wasn't going to say it before I saw it and we're seeing it now. David Lopez five. Are there any concerns of the development of Burnham Ford and Jalen Sneed? They were Notre Dame's three highest rated defenders from last year's class, but I just have not heard much about them this spring. Well, Sneed's had a concussion. So that's, you know, that that's, that's been his deal or reportedly. So uh, I think he's the least of the concerns. Yeah. He has an, he has a role that we foresee right now as yeah, long as he, yeah, as yeah, long as he yeah, seizes yeah. it. Definitely. Um, so he's the least of their concerns. 
I, Burnham, they've liked since he walked in the door, uh, I, you know, and he said the other day that he's, uh, you know, physically now prepared to play the defensive end position. I still think that kind of is yet to be proven. I think the biggest concern of the three would be four, but again, new, he was, he was a, you know, he was a defensive end coming out of high school. And I agree with you, Pete. I mean, I, I, I liked Ford, like when I initially saw his high school film, I liked him a lot. But then the more that you saw of him, you thought, you know what, this is going to be a little bit more of a project than you, than you initially thought. Uh, but I would say that, I mean, for, of the three, Ford's the furthest behind. Or and he's behind. probably supposed to be. Yeah, and he, and he should be, but he's behind the other two. I, I, I don't think there's any concern about Snead other than you don't want to hear that he has a concussion. Yeah, it's a, I don't, concern is not a word I would use for any of the three. Um, I think Burnham is kind of like the most interesting one to me, uh, just because of the position change and like, is he big enough to be a Viper? You know, where where are the reps with Botello? And it seems like they really like Tui Halamaka a lot. Um, so that that's sort of interesting to me. Like Burnham is definitely in the running for like, is he the ninth defensive lineman? Um that's not a concern, but like, I'm curious to see like what kind of role he'll be able to have if it goes beyond special teams and five snaps a game. Yeah, I, mean, I um, I have three concerns, and I can alleviate all of them with one answer. My concern about Jalen Sneed is I don't know what his best position is because he says he's better at attacking and doesn't love coverage, and Rover has to cover. My concern about Joshua Burnham is they moved a guy from linebacker to play ahead of him in his class and Tui Halamaka, and my concern about Ford is, I really don't have one because he's red freshman defensive line. My concern about Ford is he has to he has to show it on the field. I can alleviate all these things by telling you that there's like one guy on Notre Dame's defense that had played football at this point in their careers when he was entering his freshman season spring or going to his sophomore season spring. J.D. Bertrand had never played. Maris Leofau had played special teams. Jack Kaiser had been shut down for not being good enough to play. Clarence Lewis played and got torched. Uh, Cam Hart was not at the right position yet. They're they're red. They're freshmen. Yeah, they're fo- Burnham and Ford have four years of eligibility. Yeah, I, and I don't know. Pete, Jalen Snead does too. He just won't need it. Right. I, I, oh, that's right. I can't. I, for some reason, I don't like that. Doesn't click in my mind. I because he think won't be here a fifth year, good or bad. Well, no, way. I mean, I think that Snead played more than he did last year. But, but yeah, he, he didn't come in until game. No, eight right. Or nine. So yeah. he did preserve a year of eligibility. But you know, you, the point about Burnham changing positions, and the fact that Ford and Burnham both have four years of eligibility I, as as it relates to Burnham being the ninth guy. I don't know whether he will be or not, but he won't be the ninth guy in twenty twenty four. You know who I no. think the ninth guy is, and he has another position to play, is Jalen Sneed. I think they're going to find Jalen Sneed in a blitz package. Uh, their their pass rush needs that. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Question from Any Davis, too. If Lorenzo Styles moves to cornerback, where are the explosive elements in the passing game ex, uh, expected to come from? I think the same place if he doesn't move to cornerback. Merriweather and Colsey are more explosive than Lorenzo Styles downfield. Are you going to use the uh, opening pass of the season against Ohio State to? No, yeah, I am because yeah. they did look explosive. Uh, I, I look, Lorenzo Styles still has a chance to be a very good football player because he was a very good freshman for a freshman. 
He was not a good sophomore for a sophomore even. So here's his shot. They moved him to cornerback, and I'm going to let Tim take it from there. But Lorenzo Styles is not Notre Dame's most explosive wide receiver, even in theory, in my opinion. Merriweather is the most explosive wide receiver. Merriweather is the most explosive wide receiver. And the yeah. next most explosive may be K.K. Smith. I, I might be great. It might be Great House. It might be Great House. It could, could be well, it James. Certainly, it certainly yeah, it could, could be, be Rico James. Flores. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, there's a lot of other options, I think, for that kind of position. Now, Tim, cornerback, Lorenzo Styles. Well, I don't strain yourself. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, when I when when <laughs> when he was getting reps at corner, uh, yeah, I immediately went to my film review from from October of 2019, in which uh, it was clearly stated he's a better cornerback than wide receiver. I didn't think he was a natural receiver in high school. Now, I think I do think that he made. I do think that he made, I did think that he made great strides at receiver as a senior in high school, but corner always seemed way more natural to me. He seemed twitchier as a corner than he did with a football in his hands. It doesn't really seem to make sense, but that was the way I wrote it in October of 2019. And I still believe it to be true. I think it's difficult now with a guy down to two years of eligibility. Uh, and I'm really curious to, to get Marcus Freeman's take on what's going on there. Not that we're going to get a completely accurate take of what, what happens next, but we get to ask two of them. We have to ask golden, the same thing. We're going to pepper those two with Lorenzo styles uh, questions. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you guys felt about him coming out of high school, but I, you know, Ohio state thought he was a better corner. They still do probably. And they, they <laughs> And I, and I, you know, it's just difficult. He's two years halfway through his career. Make if, if they make the move. Yeah. It's this move was made a couple of years ago. I think I'd be like, okay, yeah, I could totally see this working yep. halfway through his career. It's tough. It's a tough situation. Next from ND Quebec, take a guess at how many players will hit the portal this spring and give your opinion on who the most likely transfers might be. We can at least do part one. Well, it's looking like Cowley. It's looking like Kyle, and we've said this before. I mean, a lot of the most, the bulk of the guys that are leaving the program left it before the start of spring practice or were ruled medically out or, or however you want to want to classify them. Uh, I'm going. Yeah, please do, Tim. Jump in. Or I'm thinking five is the max. Well, quote unquote max. <laughs> no, six. I think six is the max to leave still. Seven. Six. So we'll, so we'll say six. Over under 5.5. 5. All right. Well, let's start th- throwing some names out. It's it's looking well, it's like. It's just the juniors and the rising guys. Like, I mean, yeah, it's the guys Keanu, that can't. Ina is, I mean, it's, it, it, you didn't, I mean, we didn't see much headway being made uh, yesterday. I think we are his two champions, Priester, and we don't get to say. No, yeah. we don't. And he I, would, you know, I mean, it's I, like I mean, he, I, when we talked about the nine defensive linemen, I don't think that he's really there unless you're talking about like, you know, kind of a goal line package situation, which yeah. I, which I still think they should be talking about. Totally, there's definitely utility there. For yes. Sure. Yeah, I agree with that uh, concern about, you know, uh, Barnes. I, I I don't know that that door is completely shut. I like had, what I see from Barnes. For oh, the first I know. Time he's ever. Fly, man, he, yeah. he has definitely flashed. 
when we've been in there. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, great. That's great for the kid. I mean, when I see something like that, I mean, he struggled again, can't find the light of day and you see him make plays great for the kid. Um, I mean, you could still have an offensive lineman buried that doesn't want to be there. If he's an upperclassman, junior or senior, um, you could still have a wide receipt, an older wide receiver, maybe not a younger one. I think the younger ones are safe. Younger ones are safe. Speaking of receivers, I mean, Caleb Smith was the guy that's like, okay, well, maybe this guy can come in and take the lead at receiver. And he hasn't, I mean, nothing has happened. And at least again, again, I, I always want to clarify, we haven't seen it, but he wasn't at practice yesterday. And I mean, what's your take on that, Tim? I haven't seen it. And I, I haven't heard um, anyone say Caleb Smith has taken the reins at wide receiver. Then again, I don't necessarily go out and ask about Caleb Smith either. Cause I always just figured he was a second string. I figured he would become a second string wide receiver, no matter where he started at Notre Dame this year, just cause I like Tobias Merriweather and I like Deion Colsey and Jane Thomas. So those are my three guys. If you ask me at any point who was going to start, but then Caleb Smith probably would have been fourth. Yeah, I mean, like, like I, 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 it's it's curious to me because I mean, how did he, you know, Virginia Tech's offense stunk last year, and he and he was a leading receiver on it, but I mean, did he just run streaks and cross underneath cross and, and make plays? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> plays are good though. Yeah, plays those. are good, but I, I mean, I, it's it's just kind of inexplicable that he never. It like it just there it it hasn't materialized at all that we're aware of. Pete, thoughts on? What do you think? No, I mean that would be one to watch. the The other ones, I you know, they probably have one more running back than uh, yeah. they all could. And I ask, I'm saying that from the perspective of like, if I was one of those running backs, like, okay, if I'm fourth or fifth, it's it's kind of hard to see a light at the end of the tunnel this year. Um, but you know, maybe after next year, you have some departures. Um. But I, I under the five and a half or whatever, whatever O'Malley's line is here, I'm I would wager on the under there. You're going under five and a half. That's the official line. I yeah. wanna I wanna I'm gonna throw a name out here that like maybe we might have speculated about before, but I, I've seen some good things from him, and that's Tosh Baker. I I don't think he will. I like I, I he yeah, wasn't on my high on my list other than a guy that you know would be very confident in his abilities and he has Joe Alts. Right. No, I think I think I've seen things of Tosh Baker that indicate you know what there's still there's a player there. Uh, I I mean I don't think Rocco Spindler is going to earn a starting job in Notre Dame. So going into his junior year, does he want to go somewhere and play? Uh, or I'm halfway to a Notre Dame degree and I'm going, but he has, but yeah, he has three years left too. He has three years of football left. If he wants to get the Notre Dame degree and try to start next year or something along those lines, you never know. There's a lot of guys that could start in the future that aren't starting this year. Who are we? Uh, you know, I mean, I, Kevin, I don't know about Kevin Bauman. I'm Bauman. He's, well, I doubt that too. I don't don't think a tight end is involved in this. I, it's just like, if you're a junior or a senior that might not play enough in this era, you could leave. Joe Alt won't transfer. He has too much stock in Notre Dame, money, and ability. Name you could only name ten guys that won't transfer. Absolutely guaranteed it. 
Aaronsberger would be a possibility uh, again, unless he wants to complete the the degree first. Angeli's just in his second year, but I'm sure Kenny Minchie is is looming large. Minchie's very high on the not transfer list as well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. I know if we don't include freshmen, that doesn't count. But if you don't include freshmen, you can't name ten guys that absolutely 100 will not transfer. I mean, the two tackles, they're not going anywhere. <laughs> But other than that, Benjamin Morrison feels good. Benjamin Morrison feels good. But like, even, okay, it feels better now. Before the year, what if someone's like, well, somebody offered Blake Fisher $2 million. He can transfer. Yeah, at this point, you never really like, know. That's um, that's my whole point. So guys that don't play might transfer too. It's, it get used to it, man. It's like dating in your 20s. You leave them or they leave you. Someone's transferring. You know, I, I, I do think that I mean, I do think that Notre Dame is in the process of narrowing the NIL gap. And and so uh I'm not really sure what that's just kind of pulling that out of thin air. <laughs> I just said Blake Fisher two million and you just, you just yeah, didn't well, like the thought what, of him transferring. What, yeah, yeah that, that's what made me think of it that I think I think there are signs that Notre Dame's definitely trending in that direction and and uh this will help Notre Dame in the in the long haul. I don't know what that necessarily has to do with with what we're saying other than you mentioned two million i use an extreme example to explain that a lot of guys someone surprising is going to transfer he's not going to be as good as blake fisher but someone along this is well they they, there's so many guys that can transfer nowadays because you have a greener pasture and after we're acting like it's never over after spring ball remember everett golson was gone the minute he took his last final somebody on here is going to be gone the minute they take their last final that we don't know about no doubt and again several of those have already left the program so uh the number is yes it's smaller than the 15 limited but it's higher today because everybody is so uh college football is so fluid transient question from n kelleher if jack kaiser moves into more of a uh, rotation inside what does that do for collie and sneed how would you expect the reps at Rover to be split? I guess quickly it helps Sneed and hurts Collie. Yeah. I And in the reps at Rover, it's like Sneed is your starter, but Clarence Lewis is your backup because he's the and Thomas Thomas Harper. Is like, the, yeah, Thomas Harper. There really is no backup Rover because there's no reps for that person to actually get. Um, when that person comes out, it's because the nickel is going in. So it's, I don't know if you, that's a position where I'm not sure you really have a backup. Um, it hurts Kali because I don't think Bertrand comes off still, which means it's Kaiser Kali Leofile now. That's why it hurts Kali, I, but it hurts, it hurts anybody that's not Jerry D. Bertrand. I still think Bertrand is just not going to come off other than like a dime package. And I don't, I mean, do we, I don't really know how the rover reps are going to be split right now. We, I, I think the nickel is the starter, and and then the rover is the backup to the rover. Does that make sense? The nickel, yeah, it's the like st- the starting rover is almost a backup. Yes, he was last year. Kaiser did not get as many reps as yeah. the nickel. Drove me insane. <laughs> hey, the nickel is bracy though. You just need to find race somewhere no, else. No, just like Kaiser. he should have been playing inside. Yes, there you go. Okay, that's good. Yeah, and I, you know, at this stage of Kaiser's physical development, he should be much better equipped to play a will linebacker position. 
Uh, okay, we're going to wrap with, uh, how would you say that, Tim? Uh, I was going to give that one to you because I didn't want to try it. So A.T. Soisson, S-O-I-S-S-O-N. Uh, you've got to be a Ted Lasso follower to, to go along with this, I guess. But who are the Ted Lasso equivalents of the Notre Dame staff? Have to imagine Marcus Freeman is Ted himself, but who is folks <laughs> Beard, Roy Kent, Zava, and Danny Rojas? Zava. Wow, that's me. <laughs> All right, I don't want to come up with that one. <laughs> gonna have to say it. I'm gonna say it. Oh, God, yeah, yeah, just thought about it. Go ahead, you say it. I, I'm out. I'm not a saying that. Pete, you're up, man. Uh, well, I haven't seen season three yet. Um, I know Whoa. there's a. I oh, there's no. A new, I know there's a character named Zava um, oh. who's got some Zlatan Ibrahimovic uh, vibes to him. Um, I'm not really sure who that would be on the Notre Dame roster. How like, about Danny Rojas? Because that's a fun compliment. Who would say up. football is life? Um, uh, Chauncey Stuckey. I, yeah, I would say like kind of a Stucky O'Leary mashup. Perhaps. I was going to say O'Leary. Yeah, yeah. Because every day, uh, every day's a good day for Chris O'Leary. Yeah, right. Roy, Roy Kent. I mean, I feel like it could have been a Harry He stand, but like he's no longer with us. I'm it was sure. Harry. It was Harry. I don't. I don't think there's a Roy Kent now. It was definitely Harry. The real shame. Every every uh, operation needs a Roy Kent. The C- coach Beard, I think, is a is a little tricky. I would say. Uh, I mean, I'd have to dip back into Brian Mason. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Right? Ooh, good one. <laughs> that's what I was going to say otherwise, as well. Otherwise, I think I would say Joe Rudolph, but I don't really know him that well yet. Not that we knew Brian Mason that well. As far as the, the Zava character, I mean, he's uh, there's nobody like the Zava character. But in terms of most confident in his abilities as a coach, <laughs> it's definitely Dylan McCullough. I don't that, – that's, that's – uh, not a criticism, but he's very confident in his abilities as a running backs coach. When Stucky comes in next week, somebody needs to just casually say football is life and see, yeah, if he see what he says. I think he's got it. So, have you ever killed a greyhound? All right, we're going to Stucky watched up. some of uh, instant analysis yesterday. He's a very cheerful person. That's why I said Rojas. We're going to wrap up with that question. And uh, Notre Dame, wow, uh, there are still. Spring football ends in nine days, and they'll be on the field six of those, uh, including Friday when we have interviews with the uh, offensive line, offensive lineman and, and uh, offensive line coach Joe Rudolph. We'll uh, have an opportunity to speak with Marcus Freeman on Saturday. Tim, what do you have? I got to take off. Just let you oh, know. Oh, you got to take off. No, that's, that was like the radio sign, three, two, one, where we don't say two, one. Okay. But it was. Uh, I got to work on my hand signals. Anyway, we don't want to be back. On Monday, April 17th, with our next podcast, this has been Irish Illustrated Insight.